Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. I want to remind you again to go to our resource page at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Click on the one word resources, which is 200 in alphabetical order, resources that you can trust, ministries, biblical worldview sites, and news, Christian news, and even world news globally from a biblical perspective. That's resources, one word, at the top of our website, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Another shout-out to our friends at RedPillPrints.com. If you're a new listener, they have a whole gear page on their website for you and for me, Stand Up For The Truth gear. And uh, you can get T-shirts, hats, uh, hoodies, water bottles, sweatshirts, all kinds of stuff. So check that out. The proceeds benefit our ministry. That's uh, and our website as well. We've got it at the top of the page. So check that out. Or you can go to redpillprints.com. And the, up in the upper right, they've got a page, Stand Up For The Truth. It's, it, it's a page dedicated to us. Uh, Jay Siegert's with us. We'll get to him in a minute. I have his new book in front of me. It's called Creation to Christ. The Old Testament in a nutshell. We talked about that the last time Jay was on with us. So we're talking about some other things today to give you hope with all that's going on in the world. We're kind of focusing today's podcast on that. But I have to mention a few headlines. Um, uh, Joe Biden has been coming out loud and proud for the LGBTQ and Pride Month. Uh, very boldly and blatantly, unlike any other president, even more uh, than Barack Obama did. Um, and he recently came out and now he considers... Now that's, you know, he's all in for Pride Month. He had a news conference with all the Pride and Rainbow stuff and LGBTQ individuals in his administration. He had that, I think it was a couple days ago or last week. But now, in the light of the fact that a Supreme Court justice was, his life was threatened, Brett Kavanaugh at his home, a man was sent to kill him, or he, he, a guy from California, and there's violence breaking out across the country at pro-life Groups and um, um, pro-life, and also churches as well. We've got there's more than 41 instances of attacks on pro-life organizations or churches in just the last month and a half. And so, with all this violence against the pro-life group, people that are Christians, people that are Catholic, people that are uh, wanting to care for women who are pregnant or wanting to give them the truth about what's happening in a mother's womb. Now, this breaking news story with Joe Biden coming out, considering he, he's considering declaring a public emergency if Roe versus Wade is overturned. This should alarm us big time. You know what they do with public emergencies, right? The executive orders. You know what they did with COVID under the emergency orders, right? What they got away with. Well, now he's considering declaring a public emergency if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Just wanted to give you that headline. Keep an eye on it. And also uh, what's happening with um, you know pro-life organizations, including, you know, we'll, we'll get an update from Jelaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, whose offices were firebombed uh, several weeks ago, and we reported on that. Uh, but today we're going to give you a little bit of hope and encouragement in the midst of all that's going on because God is sovereign. And he has a plan in all this, even allowing the evil that we're seeing. How should we respond to the evil? We don't need to be consumed by it. We don't need to be overwhelmed. But we're blessed to have Jay Siegert back with us, author, engineer, international speaker, managing director of The Starting Point Project, helping people understand and defend the biblical worldview. And again, you can check out his latest book, which we talked about last month. You can look up that podcast at StandUpForTheTruth.com. His book is called Creation to Christ, the Old Testament in a Nutshell. Jay Seeger, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, it's great to be on the program again. How are you? Hey, good, good, good. We worked out a couple glitches in uh, uh, connecting with you this morning, but it's good to have you on. Uh, Jay, I like uh, what you sent me, and we cover so much as I just just scratched the surface in the first couple minutes here of what's going on with the um, rampant immorality 
and a government and corporations and a culture that's pushing it, and Christians are feeling bombarded. Some of them are, um, they're not losing hope, I would say, but I, I think they're feeling quite overwhelmed and disappointed, maybe disheartened is the right word, that this is happening in America when we used to stand for biblical principles and religious freedom. So just your thoughts about what's going on right off the top, then we can transition into today's topic. Sure. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. People have been around long enough to know that things have always been getting slightly worse morally around us. We're just kind of creeping that direction. But within the last two years, you know, pretty much the wheels have fallen off. And it's just people's heads are spinning. We can't believe what has just hit us. And everything is totally upside down. And we can't believe that we're even trying to decide what a male and a female are. It's just like, this cannot be happening, but it is really, really happening. And I remember when I was at UW-Whitewater, I had just transitioned from the, the Christian college studying engineering to then do physics at Whitewater. And I remember I had pretty much the only thing I had left when I had transferred there was upper divisional physics and math classes. So it was pretty intense. But I remember I had to get one more general ed credit and I ended up taking a sociology class, and it was very interesting for many reasons, and uh, I'll probably skip some of those details, but one of the things I remember most is going to the professor's office for something one day, and we were talking casually, and I'll never forget him saying that things have pretty much peaked as far as getting bad morally. It's not going to get any worse. It's gotten as bad as it's ever going to get. We've we've leveled off now. Well, that was in 1986. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, crazy. I would love to have another conversation with him saying, do you, do you think you were a little bit wrong with your wow. prognostication there? But, I mean, to really be lulled into the belief that, no, it's, yeah, it's maybe not the best, but it's not going to get any worse. And even today, as much as things are just off the charts, we can't say, well, okay, it certainly can't get any worse than this, because it, it can, and it, and it may. <laughs> uh, nothing should surprise us. No, it shouldn't. Um, well, it shouldn't surprise us if you know the Bible, if you know the Word of God. I mean, even before the New Testament days, New Testament times, um, you can look at the Old Testament and go, wow, that covers about everything. But it's it's interesting, Jay, that one thing that really is not covered and, and and experienced is men wanting to be women and identifying as women. You don't see a whole lot of that. It, it tells, uh, you know, it says it's an abomination when a man wears a woman's clothes or a woman wears a man's clothes, but it doesn't get into this completely rejecting God and the truth and gender and saying, I identify as this now, so this is what I am and you must Tell everyone else that, and, and agree with me, this is what I am. I'm looking at a headline. Uh, Miss Universe, um, this is just amazing to me. Oh, it's not amazing. Uh, is now claiming that not all people who menstruate are women. And we've heard about this from the transgender community trying to push this idea that women, um, can now be men. Men can now have babies. And th- this is really something that a minority of voices which have the megaphones of the media and corporations and the government, but the majority of Americans don't go along with this. But yet, Jay, we are bombarded by it, and we know it's not true. We know people are being deceived by it. We know it's based on lies. And God knew this was coming. And you mentioned a very good verse that we're going to talk a little bit about from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And I was just reading about Joseph this morning, and what... It says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And this is what we're living out today, what the the left or what those who hate God and are rebelling against him, what they're intending for evil. I think of Romans 8.28, right, the obvious verse. Uh, God causes all things, God causes, um, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So just your thoughts on this, the, the moral relativism here that we're seeing. Somehow God promises he's going to get us through it, and he's going to work things out for our good. Sure. It's, you know, when we look at that verse, especially in Romans, uh, some people miss the latter part that you quoted, you know, for those who 
love him and called according to his you know, purposes. And uh, it's not a blanket statement that everything works out to good for everyone, no matter what. It's that God has a plan, mm-hmm. and he's he's got an org chart up in heaven that would probably blow us all away. I, I can't imagine how he manages everything, but somehow he's allowing our own ungodly choices and the consequences that come from that. He's allowing it because he gives us free will, but there are also consequences with those bad choices. And mm. in amongst all those things, he's still working out a plan, not that he ultimately wanted evil to happen, but he said, I'm going to give you a free choice because I love you and I, I want to have a relationship, which requires I, I give you choices. Um, but within that context, knowing that we were going to make bad choices, he's even using these consequences of evil to ultimately play out his plan for his good. And one thing I've had to keep in mind is that sometimes people say, oh, I was pursuing a certain thing, a certain job or whatever, and I really, really wanted it and it didn't work out. And I'm so frustrated. But then this other job came along and it was so much better. And I'm so thankful that God didn't allow the first one to work out because this is wonderful because he had something even better in mind. And that, that happens. I've been on, on the end of that many times. But what we really have to keep in mind is something might not work out because something else is supposed to work out, but it doesn't have to be so much better for us personally. It's just part of God's plan. So for me, when one thing doesn't work out and something else does, I don't expect that it's got to be even better for me and more exciting and more lucrative or whatever it is. I just know that, okay, this is part of God's plan, and I can have peace about it Mm. no matter what, even if it doesn't look as good on paper. And so today... God is using this upside-down world to still carry out his plan, so we need to be more focused on what is God's plan in all this rather than, okay, things are really bad, but God promised me a good life, so he's still going to you know, answer all my needs and, and make sure that I come out of this thing, you know, just it's going to be amazing and I'm going to be so excited. You know, probably going to be disappointed if we focus that way, but if we say, okay, God, things are really ramping up here, but... Um, quick side note, I was on an airplane flying somewhere and I saw a man, older man reading his Bible. <laughs> so much wanted to walk by and say, a great book. I won't tell you how it ends. I don't <laughs> want to give it away for you. <laughs> but, um, but that's the thing. We, we know how it ends. Mm-hmm. And if the things that are in Revelation and in other portions of the Bible are actually going to happen, we have to go through something like we're going through now. And so I think these are all signs that we are headed in that direction. So our focus shouldn't be so much on trying to stop all these things. It should be like, we're getting closer to the end here. What does God want me to do to reach others rather than what can I do to protect my 401k and all these things? Which is, there's nothing wrong with being wise in those areas, but we shouldn't be overly focused on that. We should say, okay, things are rotten. They might not get better. They might get worse but that shouldn't stop me from whatever God is calling me to do to carry out his larger plan. Amen. And we shouldn't focus on stopping it because it's not going to be stopped, but yet we are called to be salt and light. What does light do? It exposes the darkness. Owen Strayan uh, recently said, Love your neighbor, Christian, by opposing the lies that have taken your neighbor captive. And going back to that verse, Romans eight twenty eight, it's such a comfort to know that um, God doesn't say all things, he causes all things to work together for good, period. That's not true. But to those who love him and are called according to his purposes, he will cause all things to work together for our good and for his glory. That's an amazing promise that the world or that unbelievers cannot uh, latch onto and cling to because he did not make that promise to them. So we are very fortunate that to those who believe, those who are truly converted and love him and are living for him, he he will make those things work out for good. He'll work them all together, even things that we don't understand, which a lot of which we're going through right now, in just in this season, whether it's in our families or our country or around the world, the push for globalism and all these things we never thought we'd see in our lifetimes. So, Jay, continue on this line and just get into through the introduction here and and talk about what's going on and and uh, just take the next step here. Sure. Um, and, and real quick, because it does tie in with, with Joseph, most Christians are you know, somewhat familiar with his story. Some don't know how it fits into the bigger picture. And you know, one thing that I've personally found that many Christians really don't know is you 
you talk to them about the Israelites being slaves in Egypt, and like, yeah, you know, they're familiar with that. And you ask them, how did that happen? How how they become slaves? And all of a sudden, they're like, I never thought of that. I'm not sure they were just slaves. But when you look at the big picture, you see, okay, that's how it happened, and it answers so many questions of what was going on and what God was doing. And so again, the short version of the big picture is, you know, God creates everything; it's perfect. Adam and Eve mess up; they separate themselves from God. He could have just smashed them and started over, but he said, "No, I love you too much. I got a, I got a plan. I'm going to send my own son to die on a cross to pay for the sins of the world." And the rest of the Old Testament is God playing out that plan which included God choosing a group of people through which his son, the Messiah, would be born. So that's, that's the entire Old Testament. So in God playing that out, you have uh, Adam and Eve sinning, and then Cain killing Abel, and it just it gets so bad that almost 1,700 years later, it's so bad that God says, that that's it, time's up, I'm judging this world, and he sends that worldwide flood, the Genesis flood 6 through 8, um, that's a big deal. This is God's judgment on sin. So Noah and his family are spared. They come off the ark, and they are commanded to be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. And they eventually start doing that. They, they didn't spread out the way they were supposed to, but we have the Tower of Babel incident where God forces them to, to spread out and fill the earth. But after they do, and they're starting to fill fill the earth, they're random people. They're they're just a bunch of people who are all over the place. Well, God still has that plan. He's yep. going to send his son through a group of people. So he chooses Abraham. He goes, Abraham, you're my guy. Uh, through you, the world will be blessed. So Abraham, Isaac, and then you become up to Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and he has 12 sons. So they're the 12 tribes of Israel. So these are going to be God's people, but they're not a nation. They're just descendants of Jacob. So then that leads us to the story of Joseph, one of the 12 sons. They're jealous of him. They sell him as a slave into Egypt, and they think we got rid of him. Well, God allowed him to go to Egypt. He rises the second in power over all of Egypt. Then there's a famine, which brings Joseph's family to Egypt. They don't recognize Joseph, but then we know the story that Joseph says, Hey, it's me, Joseph. I'm your brother. What you meant for evil to kill me and get rid of me. God meant for good because he sent me ahead of time to prepare this so then his whole, Joseph's whole family comes to Egypt, they're given some of the best land and they prosper and so, okay they're doing great in Egypt so mm-hmm. how do they become slaves? Well uh, famine comes in the land um, and that's what drove them to Egypt to get food to begin with, but eventually Joseph passes away and there's a new sheriff in town, a new pharaoh and the new pharaoh sees all these Hebrew people, Joseph's descendants, and like, Ooh, with these people, there's a lot of them. They could band together with other groups and fight against us. And those are Joseph's descendants. Who's Joseph? The new pharaoh did not know Joseph. So he goes, we need to put these people into slavery so they don't rise up against us. So that's how they became slaves. And that's a, that's a bad thing, but God actually used that when they were under mm-hmm. persecution of slavery to bond them together yes. as a people, as a nation, which was a huge part of God's plan. So today, Jesus actually said that, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It was so bad in Noah's time that every thought of every man was only evil continually, and it grieved God, and, and he ended up judging the world because of it. Well, there are a lot of parallels going on today where there's just evil and debauchery everywhere and drag queens and kindergartens, you know, talking to these kids and a Pizza Hut was sponsoring some drag queen book and now they're getting a lot of heat for that. And <laughs> yeah. We could go on story after story after story. So what was going on at the time of the flood was, I think we're starting to see that again today and we're coming close, close to God's second judgment, which is the return of Christ and judgment by fire the second time. So that, that kind of gives us a perspective on what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we know Christ will return, and we also know there will be judgment one day. Um, I like uh, chapter 12 in your book, Creation to Christ. You talk about Joseph. Maybe we should talk a little bit more about that, Jay, when we come back, just at least from that chapter in your book. And uh, then we'll get into what in the world is going on and how can Christians respond. Jay Seeger is our guest, thestartingpointproject.com. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Jay Siegert is our guest. Uh, he sent me a list of things under the heading, What in the World is Going On? <laughs> Just so we can continue on this track, we're going to talk about Joseph in, in the book of Genesis in a minute. But what in the world is going on? All these issues that that Christians and even Americans, I think, Jay, uh, didn't expect to have to deal with. Um, same-sex marriage, uh, dismemberment of human babies in mothers' wombs, uh, transgenderism, uh, 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 the great reset, cancel culture, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, these code words now that are used for discrimination against Christians to call us hateful or homophobic. How about virtue signaling, socialism, critical race theory, progressive Christianity, which we talked about yesterday on the podcast. That's a threat inside the church. Uh, the Green New Deal, climate change, uh, COVID, what truly is, quote, science, and uh, identity politics. But here we are today, business as usual, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be uh, when, the, when the coming of the Son of Man. Let's go back to Joseph and people can relate to bad things happening that we do not, we do not deserve. And I, and I use that word because, in other words, it's something, if you get a speeding ticket, if you're going uh, 75 in a 55, you should get a speeding ticket. That's not spiritual warfare. That's something you did and you deserve the consequences. But if, if you're not, if you're going the speed limit and something happens and you get blamed for it, it's not your fault. This is Joseph. First of all, when he's thrown in the pit, right? He becomes a slave. Or he, you know, he's in uh, the prison, from the pit to the prison, and then he ends up in the palace of Potiphar. Jay Siegert, on chapter in chapter twelve of your book, page ninety-eight, you've got a heading that says, "Just when everything is going so well, uh, pick it up right there and let's talk about this a little bit because I think people can under can re- understand and relate to." things happening in our lives that we don't cause. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And when we say we deserve this or don't deserve that, um, ultimately, (laughs) there's nothing that we really deserve other than God's judgment. But on on a human level, yeah, there are times where we say, hey, that that wasn't deserved, and why did that happen? If someone runs a uh, stoplight and smashes into your car, it wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong but you are suffering the consequences of someone else's choices. And so with with Joseph, I, for some reason, I think Joseph is the most intimidating to me in the Bible because his responses seem to be great all the time. And so here you have a guy who um, was doing well with his family, other than his brothers were so jealous they wanted to kill him, but God spared his life. So he goes off to Egypt. You know, yeah, he's in the the dungeon prison for quite a while, and God allows him to get out of there. And then again, he rises to second in all power, and it's just going extremely well. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had great favor with Pharaoh. Yes. But then then Potiphar's wife comes along and seduces him, and he he didn't mess with that at all. He just, he fleed. It doesn't... The Bible doesn't <clears throat> describe him thinking through things and, hey, what should I do? Maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. He just bolted, which is probably the absolute best response. And did he get this great blessing, like, wow, he did the right thing and God blessed him even more? Like, no, he suffered <clears throat> great consequences again, <clears throat> excuse me, um, because of someone else's ill actions. And he had to, in a sense, be okay with the fact that someone is accusing him of something he never did, and he didn't really have a chance in court to go and prove his innocence and all that. He, Everyone in their mind thought that he was wrong, and he just had to have a clear conscience before God saying, God, I, you know I didn't do anything. And, and I think as Christians today, when we're dealing with all these things, um, yeah, there are consequences for some of our own actions, yes. but a lot of these things that are happening are not direct consequences of anything that we personally did, but they're still around us, and we still have to deal with them, and so we have to just say, okay, God, this is not going to be easy, and this isn't about me clearing my name or looking good or having a cushy life, but what do you want me to do in, to do in the midst of all this? Um, again, if, if the focus is on us and our happiness, 
it's always going to be circumstantial, and we have a lot of reasons to be depressed and angry and upset and think this is unfair. But if we really focus on God, if we love God, like Romans says, and called according to his purpose, if we truly love him, we're going to say, okay, what do you want me to do in the midst of all this? And that's what actually brings the, the peace and the joy, knowing that God is going to provide everything you need to carry out what he wants you to do. Uh, that should be our focus. Even in the pain, even in the uh, not being able to understand why something is happening, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Uh, Psalm 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your faithfulness, Lord, is everlasting. So Joseph um, just, I mean, he, he was accused. Uh, he ran off. He left his coat. So Potiphar's wife goes and accuses him of uh, of uh, trying to attack her, and so he was thrown in prison. Was that fair? No. But again, God worked it out for good. And by the way, uh, Jay Seeger, we have interviewed several pastors who have been imprisoned. Um, in Canada, in particular, Tim Stevens and um, James Coates, they were imprisoned just for keeping their churches open. Now you're thinking, well, wait a minute. They just tried to keep their churches open and hold service to worship God and, and under the, the authority of Jesus and assembling together and wanting to be good leaders for their church. And the government said, no, nope, we're going to arrest you. You're going to prison. Was that fair? No, they did the right thing under God. But that's what the government did. And he somehow is working that out for good. These men are out of prison now, back in their churches. They could face fines. And that, by the way, that may be coming to America. But right now, we've interviewed some of these men, and God is using them. And what that does, Jay, and then I want you to respond to this, because Joseph was sent to prison. So these men of God, pastors, were sent to prison. Now they're back in their churches. They may end up in prison again, possibly. But what that did, that stiffened the spines, encouraged the faith of many not just Christians around Canada, North America, and in America, but pastors and church leaders saw what they did and said, you know what, I love God with all my heart, and I, we need to follow their example no matter what happens. So there's some a lot of good, Then God is still orchestrating good from these examples of men that were faithful to him. Jay? That's, that's huge, and it takes a lot of tenacity to, to do that. It's a great example. I, I may have shared this analogy in, in, in the past, but it, it bears repeating because it's so powerful. It's a great visual for me and probably will be for the listeners, too. When I was in college at the Christian College, the guy in the room next to me had a huge poster on his wall. and It was a poster of like a football field, but the focus was more on the, the track that was going around the field, and there were runners on it. And on the top of the poster, it said, if once in a while during your life you don't run into Satan, chances are you're going the same direction. Ooh. And that hit me so hard. I was picturing these runners, and, yeah, they're never going to run into anyone else. But if, if in our own life we're actually pretty happy, things are going smoothly, no, no real problems, um, yeah, that's going to happen once in a while. But if, if that's your goal and that's what you're seeing consistently, chances are you're probably not doing what God really wants you to do, because if you're taking a stand, you will. I mean, the Bible guarantees us we're going to have mm. trials and tribulations when we're taking the right stand. And so for these men who took a stand and suffered the consequences, it may ultimately not improve their lives financially and this and that, but again, that's not the goal. But like you mentioned, the other people who are seeing this example of it's furthering God's kingdom, because if our leaders don't stand up, how is anyone in the congregation going to have the guts to do the right thing? And we have to be able to fear God more than man, but too many people have it reversed. Yes, because we've been conditioned, a lot, not we, you and I, but a lot of Americans and Christians, professing Christians and real Christians, have been conditioned by the, well, the prosperity gospel in part, but psychology and the your best life now theology which is just all about me and not about god's sacrifice and not about how we should live denying ourselves it's all about pleasing ourselves and doing as much as we can to be happy now well we know the bible doesn't teach a pursuit of happiness it teaches us to pursue holiness but i want to go back to something you said about you know running into satan if you don't run into the the, the devil at some point you're going the wrong way um 
our church in De Pere here, Christ the Rock Church in De Pere, posted this on the face, their Facebook page um, last week. Do people know you're a Christian? Do they know what you believe? We are not secret agents, but ambassadors for Christ, so let's represent him. Um, I've said that many, many, many times, and we have a lot of people that are embarrassed. Maybe not. they're not embarrassed, Jay, to say they're a Christian or to let their neighbor know, um, but because of the attacks on Christians, they're maybe fearful of coming right out and admitting it, which is really astounding to me with all that Christ did for us and sacrificed for us, that we would, that we would deny him is just a, a sobering thought. So, um, I just, just would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, it, that's a very, very important way of looking at things. Uh, somewhat of a parallel would be if, if you are on trial, someone having accused you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Mm. And I, I know a number of people who claim to be Christians, and they would be really upset if you questioned it, but I, I look <laughs> at their lives, and there's often virtually nothing other than, yeah, they, they go to church on Sunday, but they're not even that interested in being there. They don't talk about it. They don't read their Bibles. They don't pray. They don't witness. Mm. It's just a Sunday morning thing, and then they're done. For the week, it was a booster shot. And, um, and so I don't know. I'm not judging them whether they are or not. I just can legitimately ask the question, and if I care about them, I will ask the question. Um, we really need to take a stand, and more and more. We've, we've been lulled into a false sense of security where you, you didn't really have to take a stand as much because, especially many years ago, even though most people in the United States aren't Christians, they were largely living by Christian principles. Yes. Uh, but today... That has flipped. Uh, the church used to be the cornerstone of every community, and even those that weren't Christians, they basically abided by a lot of those Christian principles. Well, now the Christian church is not only not the cornerstone, it's the problem, it's the enemy. And if you are found out that you are a Christian and believe in the Bible, oh, then you get all these things, the cancel culture and the shaming and uh, you're a science denier, you don't care about other people, you know, the transgenderism, you know, you need to love everyone, and and, um, and all those things. So many Christians have retreated mm-hmm. because they don't want to face that adversity. They fear man more than they fear God, and John 12 tells us. Um, and I've also found that they know if they do say something about the Bible, they're going to get a lot of pushback, and most Christians, sadly, cannot defend succinctly and simply and easily the two most basic tenets of the Christian worldview, which are, number one, that God existed and He created everything, Mm -hmm. and number two, Mm -hmm. that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. You know, we get asked that, and a lot of Christians are like, well, of course, you know, God exists, everything's just beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it's so vague and pretty weak, and then how do you know the Bible is the inspired Word of God? Well, it's I just know it. I, I feel it. Because it's it is. Change in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so they don't want to, you know, get the whole ball rolling because they don't want to get cornered and not have answers. And so they just be quiet. And they say, well, I think people know that I'm, I'm different and I don't do some of the things other people do. That, that's their Christian testimony is that people think, yeah, they're a little different than maybe they're, they're not too bad. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Um, friends, uh, this is the sobering reality that someone that knows you're different or maybe thinks you're a nice person or a good person doesn't know exactly why they could go to hell knowing you're a good person or that you're different. Um, w- next segment in five minutes, uh, we're going to go to the next segment. Jay, we're going to talk about responses from skeptics and how we can respond to some of these things. The big one recently is the two things, the problem of evil in the world. If God, why evil? And then the problem of of the changing your sexuality, your gender. Love is love. If you love them, why don't you just let them do what they do if you love them? Shouldn't you respect them and accommodate them And if you love them? So we'll talk about that in the next segment. But let's talk about priorities. Jay, why are we here? You, you alluded to this already. Our purpose as believers is not to be closet Christians or to be silent and it's not just to speak, but it's the, obviously actions and words together, but living up to the commandments of Jesus, the instructions in Scripture, and actually loving our neighbor and caring enough to tell them the truth. To share a little bit in the next several minutes, are the priorities, why are we here? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. If you had a job as a salesperson and virtually 100% of your responsibility was making cold calls, if you only spent, you know, 85% of your time making cold calls, it, it wouldn't be the best. If you only spent 60% of the time, you'd, you'd probably get in trouble with your boss. If you only spent 25% of the time, you'd, you'd be fired, and, and with good reason. Well, the virtual only reason that we're here still on earth after we place our trust in Christ, why doesn't God just zap us up to heaven? It would be better for us, certainly. Yeah. But the main reason he leaves us here is so that we can share the message that we heard and accepted. We can share it with others. So if that's the main priority and maybe even the sole reason that we're here, we have to ask ourselves, what percentage of time do we spend witnessing to others? Is it 90, 85, 25? Well, I did a, just for fun, quick calculation, because this is <laughs> typical for many Christians. If four times a year they run into somebody somewhere, get into a spiritual conversation for five minutes about whatever, um, that equates to 0.004% of their time the entire year. Uh, that we can do better than that. Yes. And we can't just. I've also very quickly had people say, "Hey, I had, a, I had an opportunity to witness to my neighbor, you know, this weekend." I'm like, "Oh, great! Tell me about it." He said, "Yeah, my neighbor wanted me to help him clean out his garage Sunday morning, and I I told him that I couldn't because you know I'd go to church." Like, okay, great. So when when did you have a chance to witness to him? I, I just told you. I told them I go to church. I'm like, okay, wow. that's a good start, but that's not witnessing. They're no. not going to know, oh, I must place my trust in Jesus Christ in order to have my sins forgiven and go to heaven just because you said you go to church. And their their experience of church might be really dry, liturgical, and just like, ooh, that's what you do? Well, not for me. I did that when I was five, but no more. Well, maybe in so an anyway, apostate church. You can, you can call something church, and you can go to other you know religions or cults and call them church. So what church? That doesn't help much at all. These days. Right. So, we, yeah. yeah, we we definitely need to ramp it up a bit. Yeah, so um, I just want to share um, on the subject of our purpose, why we're here. And Jesus said this to his disciples in John 15, which starts out, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In verse 16, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So now we're talking about fruit that maybe outlasts us. We're going to talk about that when we come back. And then we're going to talk about responding to skeptics and haters, people that need Jesus. Next on Stand Up For The Truth with Jay Siegert. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Jay Siegert is our guest today. His latest book, Creation 2 Christ. And I read from John chapter 15 before we took a break, and Jesus said we are to go bear fruit that will last, fruit that would remain, um, that matters in terms of eternity. And then it says in verse 18, and this is what we were talking about, how the world responds to Christians today. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you, Christian, are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So we know that. Now, that doesn't mean these people can't be converted. doesn't mean that we should just, you know, avoid them. <coughs> Excuse me. But it means there is a, there is a hatred just because of who we represent and what we stand for as Christians and that we stand on the truth. So, Jay, let's talk about answering to some skeptics, and um, we are commanded to witness and, and also be ready to. And this is a problem in American churches that Christians are not all equipped. The saints are not equipped to defend the faith. So, share your thoughts, and let's go into this next topic. Sure. Uh, regarding the command, you know, there are many commands, but First Peter three fifteen. You know, most people hopefully are familiar with it. That always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason. For the hope that is in you, um, and do it with gentleness and respect. We got to remember that too. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Yes. So, what's it saying? We need to be able to defend. We need to be able to give reasons for the hope that is in us. Well, the hope in, that it's in us is Jesus Christ. So, we need to give reasons why Jesus Christ is that hope, and we need 
to be cognitive with it, and we need to be gentle and respectful as we're sharing these things, not to win an argument, but to say we care so much about these people, we want them to understand the truth because it's transformative. And, you know, talking about Jesus, that the world hated him first, you think about it, Jesus lived here on this planet. He was absolutely perfect. Everything he did was right. And they hated him and wanted to kill him. So Mm. what chance do we have? We have zero chance of making people uh, love us. And the good news, though, is Jesus doesn't say, make sure everyone loves you and they're happy with everything you do. No, he wants us to speak the truth, uh, grace and truth. And we're going to run into these problems. So we're commanded to share our faith. And in doing so, we're going to run into all these skeptics who have responses which for many christians they're just stumpers they come up and they just they're fumbling they don't know what to say they want to change the subject um but we can address some of those okay yeah and i just want to mention a few before we get to them the bible is filled with errors it was written by men and men are imperfect right and then there's so many versions of the bible the bible is not inspired or infallible and we call it god's word inspired by the holy spirit literally god breathed what does that mean? And what, but those typically don't come up first in a lot of conversations today, Jay. We can talk about that if we have time. I want to get to some of those. But what comes up often is, why does God allow evil? That's one. And the other one is, well, when, you, when it comes to the LGBTQ, which is such a big discussion and conversation today, why, Christian, don't you just, just shut up and let them love who they want to love and live who they want to live, regardless of what they're trying to do by recruiting children and whatever else they do in society with uh, hijacking the rainbow flag? Just let, just let them love. So, Jay, how do you respond to that one? Love is love. So we've got to go to the Bible and talk about how God is love and how they are kind of redefining love then, aren't they? They are, and again, my experience is when Christians run into skeptics, one of the first things that'll happen is there's tension, and then the Christian might say something about God or the Bible or whatever, and the skeptics really quick to say, oh, you got to leave your religion out of this, or they, you know, another phrase is that you got to leave the Bible out of this, and shockingly, so many Christians out of that, and like, well, okay, I, mean, I shouldn't be just be bringing my religion into this. So they try to argue on a different level, and they're going to lose every single time. Mm-hmm. So what we should be doing when someone says, you got to leave the Bible out of this, uh, it's just your view, we should say, hold on a minute. Um, you believe that the Bible is not the inspired Word of God. I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. You're asking me to give up my foundation, my starting point. But you're keeping yours as we argue. You will argue as if your view is true, that the Bible is not the inspired Word of God, but you're asking me to leave out my view and argue from (laughs) someone else's viewpoint? Why don't we do this? Why don't we admit our views, our starting points, and go from there? I admit, I believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. You admit you don't believe it is, because even just real quickly, talking about the abortion issue, the skeptic would would generally admit, if the Bible is the inspired Word of God, case closed, you can't kill babies. But they'll say, but I don't believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, to which I would say, then that's the real issue. Yes. It's not so much rape and incest and the woman's right and all this, it's that they don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. If mm. that changed, they would change their views on transgenderism and on abortion and all these other things, but the Christian will give up arguing from Scripture because they're asked to do that and they can't defend that the Bible is the Word of God, so they leave it out and they're just toast at that point. And by the way, you can go to Jay Siegert's website, thestartingpointproject.com. He's got the question of the month, which is a woman's right. That's what the topic is. But Jay, so love is love. God is love. And if we love people, we will tell them the truth because we know that they need to hear the gospel, they need to receive the gospel, they need to repent of their sins. No matter what that sin is, is because the heart of man is wicked and evil beyond cure, and every person, every human being, has a sin issue and needs to respond to the gospel. Um, so they'll often say, Jay, well, that's your truth, when they talk about the Bible. The Bible is your truth, or that's your religion, and I have my own. And how do you respond to that? Well, yeah, it's a phrase where they say, that may be true for you, but not for me. And... 
that that's a phrase that again stumps most people. Like, where do you go from there? But it's <laughs> it's actually not that hard to respond to if you you know if you practice critical thinking skills. So when they say true for you but not for me, I always ask a question: Is that statement that you just made is that just true for you, or is it true for me too? True for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> if they say it's just true for them, it has no meaning then because it's not true for me. If they say that's universal and true for everyone, I'd say, how is it that that one is true for everyone, but everything else is just true for you but not for me or whatever? So it's it's, it's a self-defeating statement yes. when you really yes. analyze it. And that's what we see very often with a lot of the things, like one other quick one, um, science is the only way of determining truth. It's, it's very parallel there. Um, I would just ask them, how did you determine that science is the only way of determining truth. Did you use science to do that? Because if you did, that's circular reasoning. You can't use science to prove science. But if you didn't use science, apparently there are other ways of determining truth because you yourself just used one. So, and we don't want to say that, you know, sarcastically. We just want to point out that there is no basis, foundation itself refuting what the, the claims are making. And I didn't comment too directly on, you know, love is love. I would say, okay, you're saying love is love. You you have a certain definition of love, that love is something, and you're saying it just is what it is. We need all need to accept that. Um, but I would have a different definition, and it's not, for me, philosophical that I've just kind of come up with what I think love is. I'm going back to the author of this universe who created the world, created Adam and Eve. He's the one who is love. He actually defines it because this is his universe. Mm. And I don't always say this, and if I do, I say it with a smile on my face. But I say, if you don't like that, you might want to create your own universe because the one you're living in belongs to God, and he gets to set the rules. So when they say love is love, the question is, who gets to define love? Why is it that you get to define it and not someone else? Leave me out of it. Why do you get to decide and not someone else? And if you go by majority opinion, that's a whole can of worms because then I guess wiping out the Jews is okay because the majority of people then, you know, believed it was fine. They're not really human. So they'll get themselves all tangled up into a knot if they try to go by by majority opinion. Mm -hmm. So I say when they say it's okay for these two guys to get married, I ask, what source of authority did you just now turn to to, to determine that it is actually okay for them to marry versus not okay what what's your source of authority because i can show you mine it's god's word he says you can't do that it's a man and a woman and i can go further to show that this actually is god's word and not just another religious book because if the bible is just another religious book yeah i shouldn't be pushing it more than anything else but if it's truly the inspired word of god then case closed part a part of our i think uh responsibility may be that maybe that not, might not, not be the right word, but is to get them to understand their worldview and how they, in fact, one of the questions I like to ask is how did you come to that conclusion? Um, for example, you know, love is love. Well, well, how do you define love? You can ask them that. Uh, well, love is just uh, being compassionate and respectful of all people, no matter what they believe and allowing them to live how they want to live. And then I would say, well, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, so there are questions that we can ask them to get them to understand, well, okay, because some people say these talking points or these phrases and they don't even understand how to defend them. Does that make sense, Jay? It, it does, because they'll say, you know, love is love and we just need to be accepting of everyone and all their viewpoints. Well, well, except for my viewpoint right now as a Christian, you're not accepting that, but you're telling me we need to be accepting. And then you say, well, what about you know, men who molest young boys. Well, they can't do that because they're hurting someone. Okay, well, who defines what truly is hurting somebody? And you, the skeptic, believe the only reason we are here today even having this conversation is because over millions of years, certain groups hurt and wiped out other groups. Survival of the fittest. That's how evolution works. So if today the Christians can wipe out all the skeptics or atheists, that's just survival of the fittest. That's how we got here. You cannot tell me that that's actually wrong. Hmm. Uh, that's good. Uh, Jay, we've just got four minutes left. I'll, I'll let you decide. Uh, there's three three options for you. Uh, the Bible is filled with errors. If God exists, why all the evil in the world? Or there's more than one way to heaven. You can't be so dogmatic. Yeah, those are the, the evil one I'd like to talk about. Maybe I'll just be brief. Sure. Um 
and then there, and I'll I'll try to comment on two really quick. Sure. Uh, there's more than one way to heaven. You just ask a simple question: How did you determine that? How <laughs> did you determine there are multiple ways? And what are these multiple ways? Are there any ways that don't count? And what criteria are you using to judge what counts and what doesn't count? And they'll just say, well, that's just what I think. Okay, fine. Well, what makes more sense, that God would judge you on whatever philosophy you made up, or he would judge you on his own standards? And every skeptic to this day has told me it makes more sense that God would judge us on his standards. I said, well, then it's pretty important to find out what they are. The Bible claims that these are God's standards, so let's look into it. And then very quickly, why does evil exist? I just, again, ask questions. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Define evil. I the yes. only way evil can exist is if there is an absolute standard of good. Otherwise, evil's just all relative, and they get themselves you know, all knotted up in a can of worms there as well if they're trying to define evil without saying there actually is an ultimate good. With God's existence, we can say, yes, he's the ultimate good, and we can then easily define evil, because he even tells us that. But if God doesn't exist, and it's every man for his himself, then there's no truly evil in the world. It's just different choices, and again, the whole natural selection and evolution thing. So they, they're getting themselves into trouble by claiming that there's evil without claiming that there's ultimate good. So, Jay, um, as far as being our purpose again, how do we feel after, I mean, everybody can answer this question probably. Hopefully everyone that's listening has had a conversation with someone pointing them to God, sharing something about Jesus, um, something of eternal value to really help a person consider either becoming a Christian or strengthening their faith. How do you feel after those conversations? This is the joy of the Lord when we're doing the thing that we are remaining here to do. Uh, and I know you wanted to share a little bit about that before we close, just to give people the hope and encouragement that it really lifts our spirits and encourages our faith when we do share the gospel and we share the truth with others. Right. The simplest thing people can do, because most people are thinking, well, they're not a seasoned apologist and have all these answers. That, that, that's fine. You know, you'll, you'll make progress along the way. But what you can do is, rather than getting down into the weeds of the details of all these issues we've been talking about, focus on the gospel, because... The power is in God's Word, and the Holy Spirit will do all the heavy lifting. We just need to be available and willing, and God says, I can work with that, so I will help you get started in a conversation. If you're willing to participate, then the Holy Spirit takes over, and you'll be saying things that you're surprised you said, or you'll say things that you don't think were the best. It turns out that's what the person needed to hear, because that's the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, just being willing. But don't worry about talking about carbon-14 dating and... LGBTQ and all that in great detail, just try to get to the gospel and the hope that exists. And when you do that, the joy that comes over you, you just think, i got to do this again and again and again, because it will fire you up so much, independent of how upside down our world is. That's right. Uh, Jay Seeger, thank you so much. Uh, we could have gone on and on. But use these opportunities, friends, especially when someone's feeling beat up by the world. Use that to talk about how they're doing and do they have, what? what is their hope in. Uh, Jay's book, Creation to Christ, check that out as well. God bless you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, I appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. Thanks, Jay. You too. Coming up next week, friends, we're going to talk about Islam's influence in America that you are not aware of with a brand new Center for the Truth guest, and his name is Usama Dakdok. And his website is thestraightway.org. And on Tuesday, Pastor Kevin Minsky will come in. We'll talk about globalism and Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs Wednesday, Andy Woods Thursday, Bishop E.W. Jackson Friday. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.